I usually prepare for sermons by locking myself in the library at St. Peter's all day on Thursdays. And it's become sort of a ritual. I, like many of us, am a creature of habit, and so I try to establish the same routine each week. I pour a fresh cup of coffee, I sit in the same seat, and I select about five or six books to research. And after reading what various scholars have to say about our readings, I'm usually ready to begin. And so I put on these obnoxious, noise-canceling headphones, but I don't listen to any music. I get distracted easily, and these headphones are the only thing that seem to keep me focused. And after I go through this weekly ritual of preparation, I then stare aimlessly at my computer screen for about an hour and a half. And so knowing this, I decided to break from my routine this week. No time locked away in the library, no noise-canceling headphones, no articles or commentary from scholars, and luckily, no writer's block. This week, I chose many of you to be the religious scholars. And I had a lot of great conversations with many of you this week, and I really listened to what you felt the readings were saying to you. I brought questions to our Wednesday night Eucharist service, and we had a great discussion about them. I had many one-on-one -on -one conversations, and I also shamelessly reached out on Facebook to hear your thoughts. And there were two questions that I really focused on this week. The first was looking for examples of when we do the bare minimum just to get by. And the second was, what does it really mean to love yourself? Now these questions may seem easy at first glance, but they become complex when evaluating them in light of context, social location, and the differences in our lived experience. Now responses pertaining to doing the minimum to get by were interesting. Abgenard said it was his pledge, pledge card. Several examples pertained to people being students. Anyone who has been a student knows what it's like to do the bare minimum just to get by. Several of you, by April 15th, are crossing your fingers that you are doing the minimum to get by during tax season. Some of you said that spending time with your in-laws is when you do the minimum to get by. And doing the minimum to get by often comes up if you have ever tried to trade in a car. You might be the only one that knows that it took a half a roll of duct tape just to get the car to start. But if it will last long enough to get to the dealership, it's no longer your problem. But some of you said that doing the minimum to get by is not always a negative thing. Sometimes the bare minimum can have surprising results, like just showing up. And several of you discovered St. Peter's that way, and I'm glad that it's been a positive experience for you. I asked that question because today's gospel reading from Luke begins with an interaction between Jesus and a lawyer. And I thought this would be a perfect place for a lawyer joke, but I don't have any appropriate for church. Now this lawyer who confronts Jesus challenges him with the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And so essentially, this lawyer is asking Jesus, what is the minimum that I have to do to get by? And in typical fashion, Jesus places the challenge back to the lawyer by asking, what is written in the law? As one who would have been familiar with the Torah, the lawyer's response was from our reading in Deuteronomy today, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied that you are correct, and to do, do this, and you will know eternal life. But still not satisfied, this lawyer once again challenges Jesus with the question of whom then is my neighbor? Jesus' response came in the form of what we now know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in this parable, we find an unnamed man who is the victim of a vicious assault. He was stripped, beaten, and left for dead on the side of the road. A priest sees him suffering and then crosses the road to avoid lending a helping hand. Another person, known as a Levite, also witnesses this poor guy struggling, but he too crosses the road to avoid him. But we heard today that it was the Samaritan who was moved with pity when he saw this man on the side of the road. And it was the Samaritan who picked him up, bandaged him, and took him to a place of safety, and then even paid for him to rest and recover. I think that Jesus chose the parable of the Good Samaritan to shatter this lawyer's notion of doing the minimum to get by to inherit eternal life. But Jesus also chose this parable to shatter any notion of there being a minimum placed on whom is our neighbor. For Jesus, the one who was a neighbor was the one who showed mercy, and he instructed the lawyer to go and do likewise. Now, there's a lot of truth contained in the parable of the Good Samaritan, but for today, I want to go back and focus on the beginning of the conversation between Jesus and the lawyer. Because it was the lawyer's initial response about experiencing eternal life that Jesus, in fact, said was correct. Jesus said that we experience eternal life when we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, strength, with all our mind, and when we love our neighbors as ourselves. Also, in the Gospels, Jesus says that on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Therefore, the second question that I spent time asking many of you this week was, what does it truly mean to love yourself? And I was surprised that I received ten answers about doing the minimum to get by for every one answer about what does it mean to truly love yourself. And so it seems this week... It was much easier and for some more comfortable to be critical of ourselves than it is to look deep within and love ourselves. Now, I genuinely was intrigued by many of your responses about what it means to love yourself. And I heard from some of you that it means to be content with yourself. For some of you, it means to forgive yourself. And for one, it means to be able to recognize our failings and to accept our weaknesses and our strengths equally. And all of these responses are correct. And that's because the multitude of ways that we love ourselves are deeply personal and unique to each one of us. But after listening to many of you this week, the one thing that I was really hearing is that for us to truly love ourselves, 
we must first know ourselves. And I've come to believe that finding the courage to truly and deeply know ourselves is the key that unlocks the two great commandments. And I think that if we can sustain that courage to look deep within ourselves, I am confident that we will love what we find. And I believe that we will discover that the kingdom of God is within all of us. But it is only when we are able to truly love ourselves that we can then begin to truly love our neighbor. And it is only when we truly love ourselves that we can begin to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But I'm also aware that that's much easier said than done. And just doing the minimum to get by will not work in this situation. To truly and unconditionally love ourselves is probably the single most difficult task within the lived human experience. And I want to say that again, and I want you to think about it and wrestle with it this week. Truly and unconditionally loving ourselves is probably the single most difficult task within the lived human experience. And as you wrestle with that proposition, take time to imagine what life would look like if people were able to truly and unconditionally love themselves. Things might look quite different. And so knowing what a challenge it is to love ourselves, I believe that we have to look at we have to take a closer look at the obstacles that stand in our way. And if we concentrate on loving ourselves by truly knowing ourselves, then there's a certain level of honesty that must be achieved. And I think that it is that brutal honesty that often holds us back. And that is because it requires us to become vulnerable. Our souls become fully exposed. And going through this process can leave us feeling like the unnamed man from today's parable. Stripped, beaten, alone, and left on the side of the road. And I hate to say it, but I think that's a good thing. And the pursuit to truly know ourselves, I believe that is the level of vulnerability and honesty that God is calling us towards. Just doing the minimum to get by will not suffice. But I also think that it takes faith to know that we will not be left alone on the side of the road. Good Samaritans come in many forms, and we have to trust that we too will be picked up, cleaned up, and placed on the road to healthy recovery, further knowing ourselves and able to love ourselves. But it is also within these experiences that I believe that we discover the peace of God that passes all understanding. And that's something that we talk about each week. And we're reminded of this as the blessing is pronounced at the end of our worship services. We depart from here in the peace of God which passes all understanding. And it is that peace which keeps our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God. And we live with confidence that the blessing of God Almighty is among us and that it remains with us always. It's a reminder that we are blessed to be a blessing. And so we depart from here each week to live into that truth. Now this week, many of you served as the religious scholars in preparation for today's sermon. 
and I genuinely appreciated your comments and responses. And there's a certain level of authenticity, authenticity that only comes from having a conversation with another fellow human. I also realized this week how often I am very focused on what happens outside of the walls of this church. But to be effective outside of these walls, we also have to be effective inside of these walls. And so this week I learned from today's gospel and from many of you that the key that unlocks the two great commandments to love God and our neighbor begins ultimately with loving ourselves and loving ourselves unconditionally. It also may be the single most difficult challenge that we will face. And so we have to keep in mind that it is a lifelong process and it's not a final destination. It is a new reality that Christ encourages us all to experience. And ultimately, I believe that Jesus places a great emphasis on all the law and the prophets hanging on the two great commandments because loving God, loving our neighbor, and loving ourselves is what it means to experience life eternal. Amen.